Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. Mm-hmm. I am your host, registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. And I'm cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Nikki Stamp. Welcome back to the next installment in the crazy world that is That Sugar Film, currently holding the record for the first film we've watched that hasn't claimed cure COVID, cancer, or anything else for that matter. How refreshing. As we've already (laughs) said many, many times, the bar is oh, so low, so, so low. low. But don't get too excited yet. We are not letting this film off without a good spin. Banking for the sins it commits against science. I can't believe you made me say that. I cannot believe you made me say that. The sins of this movie, just like every other film we watch, are pretty numerous. So I have a sugar-related story to tell you. I love it when you do this. I'm so ready for Actually, it. Actually, I have two. I have two. These are accidental stories that happened to me in the last week. So I went to the supermarket which is like one of those sort of supermarkets that has cool, fun, interesting foods, not just like regular foods. And they had this cool-looking granola. And I don't eat granola because I'm allergic to nuts and most granolas have some form of nut in them. So I was like, oh, this one looks good. It it said it was chocolate coconut. I was like, great, has no nuts, I can get on board. Um, So I took it home and I started to eat it and it was the foulest thing on the planet and you know why because i didn't see this on the packet it was low sugar it had no taste oh no no. so so this is what happens this is what happens when you when you cut out sugar but the other thing i bought today not today sorry at the same time which i did by accident i saw this like juice and it said um uh, had like apple, lemon, a whole bunch of stuff that I like. And I was like, oh, that sounds really nice. And then I got home and I opened it and I looked at the container. And you know what it said? It said, this juice will suppress your appetite. Eat it if you're hungry or drink it when you're hungry. And I was like, no, if you're hungry, you eat no. the food. So in the space of one <laughs> shopping trip, I got totally duped, totally duped. If anyone would like some shitty granola, let me know. I'll send it to you. I think that just really goes to show how easy it is to buy various foods that make ridiculous claims 
and that have the wrong ratio of ingredients to make it taste good. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? I shouldn't shop when I'm too lazy to read what I'm actually buying. I, well, in fairness, I did read to make sure it wasn't going to kill me. So that was good. Yeah, I would think that was quite important. Anyway, anyway, this week we're going to tackle some of the claims that this film makes um, about sort of the public health side of sugar, I think would be fair to say, because it does make yeah. a fair few um, points about marketing and formulation and stuff like that. Again, which is somewhat unusual because they don't they don't demonize industry as much as other films have, but also they don't yell at you through the screen that you're a bad person, which is again, you know, a turn up for the books. So slight progress. I know. I know. Let's say this is not the worst film we've ever watched. But look, one of one of the things that the film says over and over again is that there is just an ever increasing amount of sugar in foods. And that's not the case. No, I, I forgot for a second this is not a visual medium and I started pulling faces at Nikki through the camera. Uh, but not a visual medium. This is my, what you can't see for the sea, this is my ugh face. So I'm just going to say ugh instead mm-hmm. because it's not strictly true, is it? I mean, yes, no. in certain products, the amount of sugar has increased sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there's also, especially in recent years, there's been a lot of work to, uh, in terms of reformulation, especially in the UK, um, because of the introduction of the the sugar tax and because of various uh, because of pressure on industry to actually start to reformulate various different products. And some of them have actually managed to decrease their sugar intake by kind of a not insignificant amount without yeah. losing any customers or the customers really being hugely aware of a change in taste, which I think is kind of well done to be able to yeah. do that yeah definitely uh, look uh, you're absolutely right though there are some areas where sugar continues to be added one of the, and consumed at a relatively high rate I say relatively relatively meaning the rate or the amount of sugar in those foods is higher compared to another food not necessarily that it's globally high but children's food um, breakfast cereals comes up a lot um, is where that and that's very problematic because we know marketing to children is is well look you just shouldn't be doing that really <laughs> you know stop that um, but you know I think the sugar tax argument is really important so we're sort of in the midst of sorting one out here but one of the things I think a lot of people think about sugar taxes is that it's trying to deter the consumer from buying foods that are high in sugar because then they'll be more expensive but that's not the case it's it really pushes for reformulation which yeah has been done really really well in the UK but look you know I think that the discussion that this film has around um around this point that sugar is being you know snuck into all of our foods it it, it really it's kind of scaremongering it's basically it's not giving you the information that you need and the information that we all need as I've already demonstrated today I can't read labels um (laughs) you you we need to know how to read labels that's fine but I think it's more important that we push for industry to get on board um to reduce sugar to uh, put in place restrictions on what can be marketed particularly to children uh, because you know 
the thing is that when it comes to highly palatable foods, so um, sugar sweetened beverages like you know cokes and all those kinds of things, or um, lollies or sweeties or whatever you want to call them, the you can educate people as much as you like, but they're designed to be highly palatable. They are therefore you know enjoyable to consume. They are marketed incredibly well. They are put in your eye line at the supermarket. Um, they are cheap. They are easily available. They have a long shelf life. All of these things mean that even if you are the world's best label reader, i.e. not me, um, then you can, uh, you know, you will still find it hard to avoid having those foods all the time, which is why we, rather than saying to people or alluding to people that they, you know, they should be be aware and be scared and or that you're doing a shit job of not reading labels, we really need to be pushing for those more um, systemic changes. Yeah, and the other problem, of course, is that if we encourage, if we just encourage people to read labels, they're going to read a whole bunch of things that the internet tells them is scary and dangerous and toxic and all of these things simply because they can't pronounce them, which oh, is yes. a whole <laughs> other problematic narrative. I mean, there are a whole number of ingredients in foods that are added sometimes to packaged products to increase shelf life, which is actually a really good thing because we have mm. a big problem with food waste over the entire mm-hmm. world. And sometimes they're added for for flavor. Sometimes they're added to improve the texture so that you're more likely to actually eat it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes especially that has to be the case if you reduce the amount of fat or you reduce the amount of sugar in a product, there might need to be a little bit of slight tweaking in terms of texture to make you still want to eat it, which is potentially arguably a good thing with all mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Uh... It's 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 a complex thing, right? Mm. That has no one single solution or tactic that is going to be the only thing that's going to be effective in this case. A sugar tax is one way, and you know what's interesting is that I, at the start, was very against it. Oh, really? At the start, I was very against the idea of a sugar tax, and uh, I'm I'm okay with it now. So yeah, it just which has been an interesting shift as I've kind of understood understood it better. I know, do you think it's worth kind of just giving a very brief overview of what the sugar tax in the UK is so people... Tell, tell us what it is in the UK because I don't think a lot of other countries have it uh, implemented to the same way that you guys do at the moment. Yeah, so I think... So the sugar tax really came about because of Jamie Oliver. In, an, in a nutshell, it's Jamie Oliver. Yeah. In 2015, he released a documentary, which we will probably get onto at some point, let's be honest, we probably should watch. We should. We should watch Jamie. Yeah, I mean, it's another sugar one, so we'll do that at at some point. And he got really pissed off and upset by what he saw when creating the documentary. So he decided to create a petition to introduce a tax on sugary drinks. It spread on social media quite quickly and very quickly exceeded the hundred thousand mark for the issue to be considered for parliamentary debate. It was debated in parliament. And in 2016, the government announced that they would be introducing a soft drinks industry levy, also known as the sugar tax. Industry were given two years to reformulate their products to get them to a place where they wouldn't have to pay the sugar tax. So, and this this is a tax that is paid by manufacturers directly. So the idea is that it is not passed on to consumers in an ideal world, sometimes 
that is the case, like in restaurants, for example, sometimes that has been the case. But the idea behind it was that the manufacturers and the industry pay for the any pay for any kind of tax and not the consumers. And whether it's been super effective or not, it, the reformulation has been largely it's a work in progress, but it has been successful. Whether the actual tax itself is having a more significant impact, I think we need we need a few more years to kind of gather some more data before we can really give a kind of conclusive answer on that. But so far, it doesn't seem to be causing any harm, as far as I'm aware. So that's that's something, and I'm I'm I have no doubt that other countries are very much paying attention to see what's going on in the UK to figure out whether they want to do it too. Yes, we definitely are. Yeah. So to that point, reformulation. So reformulation is talking about, you know, putting different ingredients in food to change it to make it better or whatever, whatever your end goal is, cheaper, longer shelf life, et cetera. One of the things that this film says quite a lot and the whole premise behind Damon's experiment is that he is not going to have get sugar from his in his diet rather from foods like ice cream or sodas or whatnot. He's getting it from quote-unquote healthy foods whatever the hell that is. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. That's right. Um, and and he basically says that the reason he's able to, to eat uh, 40 teaspoons, which as we've already said repeatedly, is far in excess of what the average adult eats in a day, um, is that he is getting all of his food, which is hidden, snuck into the food because we're replacing fat with sugar to make it tasty. And I just, every single film, every single film that has some sort of low sugar, low carb band always says, says this same thing. And I'm like, you try and make it sound like it's so sneaky and like, like they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Like I stole your wallet. And then I was like, no, I didn't. No, nothing to see here. I mean, (laughs) I kind of understand what you're saying because if you fat is tasty, sugar tasty, you know these are the things that make. T- I mean, have have you been to France? <laughs> Everything tastes delicious because of the butter, all of the butter. Oh my god, yes, I love butter. I love butter too, um, and cheese. Also love cheese and bread. Mm. I love France. Mm. Um, <laughs> so like yeah, so if you t- if you take fat out of food, right? Yeah, it's not as tasty. I mean, I think a really good example, high fat or high fat yogurt, like regular yogurt, regular fat content yogurt, plain yogurt versus low fat plain yogurt. Like Mm. the full fat wins every time, in my opinion. Oh, I have a story here, right? I have a story here. I love cheese. That's the important context you need. I love, I love cheese. And, uh, one day I was in the supermarket buying some stuff, wasn't concentrating properly and came home to find that I accidentally bought low fat halloumi. Ew. And I thought, okay, don't panic, don't panic. It might be okay. So I fried some and tried it and oh my God. It was horrendous. Was it like plastic? It tasted like nothing. Yes, it tasted like plastic. It was nothing. And it didn't even fry properly. It was just awful. And I was like, this is an abomination that should not be allowed to exist. Why on 
earth would you want to eat low-fat cheese when it tastes like garbage? I think it kind of matters that food tastes good. I was so upset. I was literally willing to file a complaint until I realized that it was actually completely my mistake and there was absolutely, it was all my fault. But I pay very close attention when I buy cheese now. Very close attention. See, the theme of today's episode is that we have no idea what we're doing. This is why I do my food shopping online and I tell it just buy the shit I bought it previously because then I know it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, look, you know, that's, that's yeah, look, a lot of things is formulated low fat. If you wish to have low fat halloumi, by the way, you know, go for it. Um, need to have low but you're fat. weird because it doesn't taste of anything <laughs> strange person where are your taste buds do you know I have halloumi in my fridge as soon as we finish I'm gonna have to like run upstairs and make sure that it's full fat halloumi otherwise you'll be sad um you know I think I think one I think actually this film kind of makes a bit of a valid point because you know he's he's saying that because a food is marketed as low fat for example or any other health claim that it's misleading, that it's always healthy. And that's 100% true. And we've talked about that a lot. You know, we've talked about um, sugar replacements like agave and, you know, rice malt syrup and da-da-da-da-da, like, you know, or something saying it's high protein or um, no added sugar, all those kinds of buzzwords give you the impression that something is healthy when it isn't necessarily healthy. Um, and there is research to show that the association between health claims and the actual nutritional content of a food isn't always always accurate. But as to whether or not there's a whole bunch of, you know, things being snuck or sugar being snuck into your food to replace fat, that's not always the case. Sugar and fat, while both very tasty, aren't the only things that make food tasty. And it doesn't always mean that a, a food that is very high in sugar is necessarily that palatable i mean i think we've all eaten something where you're like whoa oh too much too rich too sweet too whatever so yeah look if, if they're trying to say buyer beware i can support that but the way that the, 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 these claims are made it makes sound so nefarious so evil uh it, it just it doesn't sort of hold that much water for me yeah and i mean good example my accidental low-fat halloumi <laughs> did not have any added sugar. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No. So there you go. Ooh, gross. Would that even go? Can you imagine? Oh, it would be, it would be horrendous. It would be absolutely horrendous. But... He, see that, that's actually a really good example that that kind of goes against what they're saying i mean i know it's just one example right but that the claim that they're saying is that every you know every time you take fat out of food it tastes bad may or may not be the case um and it has to be replaced with something to make it tasty which is sugar and there's a very good example of that not being the case yeah yeah you know, there's also sometimes there's actually there was a, a really interesting investigation in the UK, which is I've only just remembered. So I had this. So this is totally off the top of my head, but I've only just thought of it. Um, which compared your average homemade sources, for example, mm-hmm. to supermarket ones, and found that actually generally your homemade ones, especially pasta pasta sauce, is the one that I remember. Homemade pasta sauce tends to contain more sugar. Oh than store-bought pasta sauce no way because if you make your tomato sauce properly yeah you add some sugar because it takes away from the um it balances out the kind of the acidity in the yeah. tomatoes a little bit makes it much more of an enjoyable well-rounded flavor oh. and we generally add more sugar at home than they do in the products now that's one example and of course not all products are going to be in following that same pattern but what we're essentially trying to point out here is that there is no absolute rule like yes. they're implying and that it very much varies from product to product, from person to person. And there's nuance, in other words. There's fucking nuance because there always is. And why are we always the ones introducing nuance when these fucking documentaries don't have any? Because <laughs> we're boring. We're saying the boring things. Hey, guess what? It's not always like this. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting, what? girls. Well done. Um, <laughs> yes, but I mean, speaking of all this kind of fat and sugar and exciting flavor, we are introduced in the documentary to this thing called The Bliss Point. It's such a strange segment. So they're saying The Bliss Point is um, the way they talk about it. They've got the guy who discovered The Bliss Point, whose name escapes me right now. And they're saying, he sounds like a whistleblower. He sounds like he's, you know, I worked for whatever company and what I used to do was test um, this drink and we'd each aliquot, we'd add a little bit more sugar and a little bit more sugar until we reach something called the bliss point where it's as sweet as it possibly can be without being too sweet. Um, and they're kind of implying that he he was, I don't know, might as well might as well have been part of the Nuremberg trials, but he wasn't. Um, he was like, he was, you know, he was <laughs> testing the the palatability of foods according to sweetness. Um, you know, so I don't understand why they're shitting on the fact that there's a sweet spot of of food. I mean, you can demonstrate this for just about everything. You know, just because there is this point where f- 
the sweetness of a food is the most enjoyable for the most people doesn't make sugar especially evil. It's I'm sure you could probably demonstrate something like that for fat or saltiness. I also, I do the same thing with acidity with my pickles. <laughs> you have to find the right point. It's, it's just adding to this other, this narrative that sugar is especially evil above and beyond any other food or nutrient. Food, sugar is not special. I mean, it is, let's be honest, sugar is awesome. But it's not special <laughs> from a physiological, biological standpoint. Yep. It's, it is it is what it is. It, it doesn't need to be made into the demon <laughs> of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, it's just mm-hmm. I don't understand the, the obsession with turning something into just complete uh, a complete evil genius when really it's it's pretty it, it's not yeah and you know this guy who i also don't remember the name i just wrote some guy in the u.s tested over 60 levels of sweetness and that was the extent of my willingness to understand what was going on you know he's just doing an experiment a very legit experiment to understand human taste preferences and the way that your human tastes have evolved like that's that's interesting stuff. I find that fascinating. That there is like that 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 there is a specific point at which past that point we no longer enjoy any added sweetness, mm-hmm. but up to that point we do enjoy. That is interesting. I find that fascinating that there's, there's this that this even exists. Well, can I, you know, at the same token, experiments to determine a food's bliss point can be used for good, not to, you know, good evil everything, but if they say that food is enjoyable at lower levels of sweetness than what it's currently manufactured at, isn't that useful information to have by their own logic? Because we want to reduce sugar in foods. So if we know that it's still palatable, enjoyable with one teaspoon as opposed to seven teaspoons, how is that a bad thing? Yeah, because that's what is happening with reformulation in the UK where manufacturers have lessened or reduced the amount of sugar in products and people are still buying them and it's fine oh my god it's fine everything's fine um so of course because this is an australian film um i can't think of a clever segue into this but we do need to discuss this um (laughs) but you know the magic pill uh had a segment or a couple of segments filmed in a remote aboriginal community here in australia and of course we do here in this film, however, I will say in comparison to the magic pill, um, this was handled with significantly more sensitivity and nuance than the magic pill. That being said, the magic pill set the bar at the floor, so you know, yeah. I don't know if we can go patting everybody on the back. But look, the discussion centered around the availability of sweetened sugar sweetened beverages, so um, soft drinks, pop, soda, whatever you want to call it, um, at and other discretionary foods. So you know. Foods that are ultra-processed, packaged for long shelf life can be put on a truck for days on end to quite literally the middle of nowhere. If you're not from Australia, just go have a look at a map, right? And every little (laughs) – seriously, there are people like literally living in the middle of our country and we have to get food to them. So, you know, things like shelf life actually matter. Anyway, so – a lot of these communities, remote, you know, and this is true of any any country, you know, you have 
in really remote, rural and remote places, the food supply isn't always as um, abundant uh, as what you would get in urban areas because it has to get there. <laughs> and that's not always, always easy. So you might not have availability of fresh fruit and vegetables, um, of you know high quality protein sources, or if you do, it's extremely expensive, extremely expensive. So like a lot of remote communities, this particular community found itself basically stocked with, you know, more foods that have lower nutritional value than the other way around. So what the community did, and this is really awesome, I think, they had a self-determined public health initiative culturally appropriate called Maihuiru, which included a lean back to bush tucker. So that's um, you know, food, well, local foods, bush tucker is called. Um, and they were able to really improve the health of their community. Uh, and, and also, you know, it was culturally appropriate. So I think this, as opposed to the magic pill, I think this raised some really good issues because I think the biggest issue here was availability. Um, as I've already said, you know, foods that are high in sugar might also be very processed for their long shelf life, um, which is really important. But obviously the downside of that is that you don't always have, you know, high nutritional quality food. And I think it provided a really good insight into how public health and proximity to cheap and easily available food is important. I think it provided really good examples of how self-determination within a community can help um, improve the community's health and well-being. And I think it pointed out um, something really important. It said that they lost funding for this program. And when they said that, my immediate reaction was, what the hell? Like, why, why are we taking funding away from this very worthwhile cause um, and giving it to people to make documentaries? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is another beautiful example of basically how white people came along and fucked up stuff Everything. all of the stuff just stuff because this this initiative was kind of i guess spearheaded by by an elder by yeah. an by an aboriginal yeah. guy who really kind of saw what was happening in his community and decided he wanted to do something about it and that's the kind of thing we don't need white people to go in and kind of make shit better because no absolutely not no white savior bullshit mm -hmm. please mm. and so like this to me felt like a really wonderful example to include in the documentary. And I found this this segment of the documentary really mm. fascinating actually, and really, really, really fascinating to watch. And I can see why they chose this community as well. It's a really good example and it's a dry mm. town. There is no alcohol. There has never been any alcohol in that town, which actually makes it a better example in some way to observe from an outsider perspective because i think it takes out that confounder yes that's exactly what i'm going for it takes out yeah. that variable yeah. as a potential confounder because that has been a concern in the uk that has been expressed that when you increase the price of various um various sugar sweetened beverages for example that people will buy yeah. alcohol instead that has oh, been a yeah. concern i interesting i don't know what the data is on that, but I know that that was a concern that was raised. So the fact that there was is no alcohol in this town was really made it a more helpful from a scientific perspective. Yeah, example yeah. to include. I think for people, Australian people, and this is you know this is a very good example of just outright racism that can happen, is that people, if it wasn't a dry town, people would probably say that any ill health is due to too much drink. Um, which is 
completely inappropriate. <laughs> Not to say that alcohol use amongst all Australians is potentially problematic and, and a health risk, but yeah, I think I think that that was you know really important that they they included this. But look, I really liked this segment. Um, I think it it was done with sensitivity and with you know really hammering home the importance of a community-wide approach, whether it be that local community or society at large. And so I'm going to, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here and say, I don't necessarily think just because they got some of the facts wrong, that the overall message in that we need a better public health approach is all bad. You know what? I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that. I think. Oh God, how embarrassing for us! <laughs> I know. Well, overall, this documentary wasn't exactly. It didn't exactly hit the nail on the head in terms of the science. Mm. Mm. There are two particular aspects of it that I feel were really, really important and really well done and effective and intriguing to watch, which might sound a bit strange. But bear in mind that we very quickly get bored with some of these documentaries because they make no fucking sense and don't have any through lines <laughs> and are just uh, uh, just chaos. And those two aspects were this segment on the Aboriginal community, which was really well done, and mm. also the the segment with the the dentist in the van who was treating this poor kid who basically had needed to have all his teeth yes. taken out. Those two yes. segments were incredibly well done. Were considered were effective and were kind of kind of bang on to be honest and i think it's worth you know we should on these documentaries a lot but it's worth giving credit where credit is due oh absolutely yeah look you know if if more of them were like this i think that would be venting but we're going to talk more about our overall thoughts on this film next week um because we still have one more episode to to talk about on this one, um, which I think is really important to to discuss. Uh, but in the meantime, please don't forget to leave us a five star rating because that's how people will find us. Uh, make sure you subscribe, subscribe, uh, and tell your mates, um, share it, whatever. It really helps. We very much appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can shoot us an email in badtastepodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you tell us what you're enjoying. Tell us the time when you've accidentally bought low-fat halloumi or granola <laughs> that has no taste. Um, we want to know, what is what have your supermarket screw-ups been? Um, as always, we'll leave you some references and relevant links in the show notes below because we're good like that. Yes, we are. So join us next week for the final episode on That Sugar Film, where we're going to be asking the all-intriguing question, what is an experiment anyway, and why do these documentaries insist on doing it in such a weird way? We will see you then. Bye. Bye.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.